So this morning I want to talk about, um, I want you to start thinking this morning, so just think of one time, or maybe more times, that you planned something and it didn't go as planned. Some of you are smiling. It can be something small or something very, very significant to you. But, I mean, if this never happened to you, please come and see me afterwards so I know your secret. <laughs> but I want you to think about that moment. It could be something that happened this week or something that you just really think about. But I want you to think about how you felt and how you reacted. For me, even this week, I was at work and it was the last day of school and I was so psyched for it. And then I was like, okay, I'm going to teach these lessons and then the kids are going to watch a movie. And then, and then literally every single step of the day didn't go as planned because it's the last day. So rooms are getting moved and then I get a phone call to go somewhere and then I get another phone. And I was like, nothing about my day went as planned. Um, but then I, you have to go along. So I want you to think a little bit about how do you feel when things don't go your way? How do you react when things don't go your way? How do you... Um, yeah, how do you interact with the people around you? You know, sometimes I used to be so frustrated and I'm like, it must be somebody's fault that, th that things didn't go as planned. So then, um, but one of my main journeys for my whole life, you know, my very long life, has been learning how to cope with things not going my way. And only this morning as I was reading over this, I realized that being organized is something that God actually has put inside of me. And it's something good. But just because it's something good and I like being organized and I like things going according to a plan doesn't mean that God doesn't want me to learn how to let it go. Yes, it's a good thing, but not good all the time. So, so sometimes I feel like, okay, I think I've learned how to like cope with things not going as planned. And then something else bigger or you know, something comes along and I'm like, oh no, I am still very much relying on my plans and very much relying on things going how I want them to go or when I want them to go this way. And um, you think I would have learned by now that God's way is much better than my way. But the truth is that I'm still learning and I'm still kind of realizing that yes, I've learned this and I'm like, yes, this was good. Yes, I can, I can trust God. And then something else happens and I'm like, so God, listen, I've planned this year for you. And God is like, no. But I still plan it, and I still think that my way is the best. And sometimes I bring it to him. Um, and I'm like, God, if things would go this way, don't you think you'd be so amazing? Um, but, you know, because that's what I do in my life. You know, I go to school, and I'm like, okay, kids, we've planned the day for today. This is how it's going to go. Or I, I go home, and I'm like, Matthew, we've planned the week. This is how it's going to go. This is what we're going to have for meals. But then I can't do the same with God because God sees all so much more than I do. And I want us to think a little bit today about what can happen when we focus on our own plans and we're not open to see all the things that God can do. And I believe it's very easy to miss out on things because you just have a bit of a tunnel vision. So I want to look a little bit about, in the Old Testament, some examples that Way before Jesus came, and way before Jesus was born, the Israelites knew he was going to come. There are loads of verses throughout the Old Testament that prophesy Jesus is coming. So let's look at a few different verses. The first one, it's from Genesis 49, verse 10. So from right the beginning of the Bible, there were prophecies 
they showed Jesus is coming. And this was hundreds of years apart, but the Jews relied on these verses. They knew there was going to be a savior. So the first one says, Judah will hold the royal scepter and his descendants will always rule. Nations will bring him tribute and bow in obedience before him. Him is Jesus, the Messiah, the savior. The next verse is from Micah 5 verse 2. It says, the Lord says, Bethlehem Ephrata, you are one of the smallest towns in Judah, but out of you I will bring a ruler for Israel whose family line goes back to ancient times. In Jeremiah 23, verse 5, we read, The Lord says, The time is coming when I will choose a king as a righteous descendant of David. The king will rule wisely and do what is right and just throughout the land. And the last one that I want us to look at is from Numbers 24, verse 17. Well, what I saw in my visions hasn't happened yet, but someday a king of Israel will appear like a star. So a lot of these verses, the, the common uh, theme is a king will come, he will rule, you know, he's going to come and he's going to be good. You know, you can, you can understand why the Jews thought that Jesus was going to come on a white horse and kill all the bodies and rule and be like the best and be super rich on top of it and maybe sit on the throne, but like make all the bodies be slaves now. So, because, you know, they were oppressed, they were suffering, they were, their land wasn't their land anymore, they were, they were waiting for something to happen, and they were in this situation for generations and generations. By the time Jesus came, I think there was eight different generations that they were in this land, that they were slaves, they were oppressed. And instead, Jesus comes, they didn't have a glorious birth, you know, he's still not sitting on the throne, he but he claims that he's going to save us all and we're all, you know, give us all full life. So people are like, what? Who are you? Like, why are you not coming the way you said you're going to come? All these verses says it's going to be a king. The king will rule wisely. You're not a king yet. So I want us to look a little bit about how the Jews and how the people in those time had a concept of how Jesus was going to come. And then Jesus, obviously, as we all know, came in a different way. And Jesus in those days, he used a lot of references. So Jesus was a rabbi. Um, and he, Jesus wasn't the only rabbi in those days. There were loads of rabbis. Jesus was one of the rabbis and he had followers. And in those days, the rabbis, including Jesus, used a lot of references to the Old Testament when they were teaching. Um, to increase the impact of a statement, rabbis would quote a part of the scripture and then let their audience fill in the rest. Because in those times, at school, there wasn't really a school, you just went and learned the first five books of the Bible. Everybody knew the first five books of the Bible by heart. So if someone would quote something, you'd straight away know, some, know the other part of the verse. So Jesus did this all the time throughout his life. He walked with people, preached, and always made connection to the scriptures. And uh, I want us to look at an example when Jesus did this. When, when Jesus talks sometimes, he uses the phrase son of man in a very ordinary way. But more often, he uses it in a very special sense, making bold claims about him being the Messiah. To, to catch what he's saying, because for us, it's just a translation in English, the son of man, we need to understand how the Jewish people of Jesus' time interpreted a key uh, prophetic message about Messiah coming. And in the book of Daniel... There's this figure called the Son of Man. 
So in Daniel, again, there's a prophecy. So in verse, in Daniel, I don't remember what chapter. But it's verse 13 and 14. So he says, In my vision at night I looked, and there before me was one like a son of man, coming with the clouds of heaven. He approached the Ancient of Days and was led into his presence. He was given authority, glory, and sovereign power. All nations and peoples of every language worshipped him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion that will not pass away, and his kingdom is one that will never be destroyed. So this is one, another prophecy from the Old Testament prophesying Jesus' coming. And uh, in the first century, this passage was universally understood as a reference to the coming of Messiah. The book of Daniel predicted that the, rise, the rise of the great kingdoms, which would eventually fall to the authority of one supreme king, a king who would rule forever. But if you look a little bit into the Jewish culture, according to this guy, David Flusser, which was a Jewish scholar, he said that this passage from Daniel was considered the most important message about Messiah coming. The other ones made sense, but this one was the most important. And why? Because the other ones predicted and prophesied um, a king, a human king, from the line of David that will come and rule. But this particular message prophesied that the Messiah pointed, um, the Messiah was a divine nature. He was a div divine nature. Because if we read in the, in the Daniel passage, he says, one like a son of man. The person, according to this passage in Daniel, seemed human, but he was actually far more than human. He looked like the son of man. He looked like a human, but he was no human because he was far more than that. Um, and in different passages throughout the, all, the New Testament, in Mark and Luke, Jesus all speaks himself about, I am the son of man who will come in glory on the clouds. And this was a clear reference to this passage from Daniel. So the Jews in those times knew exactly what he was saying. They would have got the reference from Daniel's prophecy. And yet, they still missed out that he was the actual Messiah. Why? Because they have created an idea and a picture of how Jesus was going to come and how he was going to do things. And probably they had a pretty good plan for how Jesus was going to do things. They had a good plan for how Jesus, um, when he should come, of how he should rule, when he gets to the throne, what should be the laws and what he should do to the, you know, the bodies and the Romans. They all made, created their own image and probably they were all different. If there were 200 people there, there would be 200 different ideas of how Jesus should come or how the Messiah should come and how the king should rule and how he should do things. The people walked with him, but missed out on him and all he had to offer because of their own expectations. There is a, a passage in the Bible that he said towards the, the end of his life, before he, he died. He said, I will rebuild, rebuild the temple in three days. But he was not talking about the actual temple, because the actual temple took 20 years to build. So you can see why people were like, uh, Jesus, I don't think that's quite accurate. And first of all, the temple wasn't even taken down. They were like, Jesus, it'll take you a little bit of time to actually destroy it and then rebuild it. So people were not really listening to him because they were so caught up with their own images, their own expectations. 
So I'm thinking that the message is that we can be so caught up in our own expectations that we miss out on what God has to offer us or what he's actually saying. Sometimes we can be so caught up in our own culture, in our own, what we want to see, and we have our own glasses on that we, we don't see and hear what God has to say. You know, he asked them, do you believe in me? Do you believe that I can rebuild this temple in three days? And they were like, no. Because he mentioned them many times that I am the temple, I am the kingdom, I am the one who has come. Um, and he will rebuild everything, and he has rebuilt everything, and he will bring everything to life and abundance. But not always the way we imagine it, not always the way we plan it, not always the way we expect it to happen. And the Jews were waiting for Messiah to come and save and deliver them, to come and become king of the Jews and replace the mean Roman king. This is what they had it in their minds. And they had an image of what Messiah was going to do for them. They had it all planned for him. And when it didn't happen the way they expected, they just decided the Messiah hasn't come yet. Oh, this is not the, the one, because it hasn't happened how we want it to happen. Therefore, some of them missed out on him completely because they were so focused on the way they wanted Jesus to come. They wanted it to happen a certain way, therefore missed out on everything else that happened around them. Because when Jesus said he'd rebuild the temple in three days, people assumed he meant the real temple and thought that that's impossible. So some probably missed out on Jesus coming back to life three days later because they were too busy thinking and waiting for it to happen the way they imagined it and the way they planned it. Um, and Jesus did rebuild, not the actual temple that they were looking at, but himself. He did come back to life three days later. He did come, and not just for the Jews, and not just for that time, but for everyone. And he did deliver them, and he did save, and he did give life through death, just not the way they thought it would happen. We read in John 10, verse 10, that a thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. That's what Jesus says that he has come for. Jesus doesn't say, I have come so I can kill all the people that have done bad to you and then rule over them. I have come to become the king of the Jews and do it the way you guys. He says, no, I have come that they may have life and they have it to the full. And he has come to give you life and he's come to give me life. So we must expect him to give us life. But the problem with that is when we start creating expectations and conditions for how the full life must look for me right now. Because then we just focus on this one tiny tunnel vision and miss the rest of the view. A few weeks ago, I, I shared like my life story. And if you were here, you kind of heard me say that pretty much everything from 18 to, this, to now did not go as planned. And one sometimes worse than I ever thought. I'm like, oh my goodness. But nonetheless, I am really blessed today. And in ways I could have never imagined, I could have never planned this way. Um, so praise the Lord that he has still taken away my plans and given me so much more. And because, but you know, sometimes I almost missed out on some of the blessings because I put God in this box that is like my expectation box. And God can go in there and he can sort everything in there. But the thing is, he is so much bigger and mightier than to fit in my plans and expectations. He's like far beyond what I can see, far beyond what I can imagine. And he wants to give me 
a full panoramic picture. He's giving it to me, but how many times have I missed? How many times has God shown me something? I'm like, oh, but I'm, I'm right, looking right here, and God is here trying to show me something amazing. I'm like, no, no, no. Why is it not happening? Why is it not happening? I can't believe. Um, you know, what people did 2,000 years ago, we still do it today. We have this tiny picture in front of us, and we just have a tunnel vision looking at it with no wider vision. But the thing is, when we do this, two things can happen. One, we put God in this tiny box and picture and tell him how he has to be and how he has to restore my life and how he has to give me life to the fullest. I'm telling him how he has to happen. And he has to fit in this tiny frame. Um, so sometimes I have this picture. And this is not a bad picture. And I just look at it. And I'm like, well, it's really nice. Look at it, God. Please, can I, can I have this? Can I have this? Please, look at it. It's so beautiful. And I just put limitations on him. And I tell him how he has to do it. And I'm so focused on this tiny, tiny image, thinking it's so beautiful just because I stared at it long enough. But meanwhile, this other beautiful background is going on our on around me and God is like lift your eyes and look at it look at it look what all the things that I have for you look at all the things that I want to give you look at look how nice yes the one that you have it's really good and it's really nice but actually look at all this that I have for you because it's not just this it's not saying that what you have it's bad it's that he has, sees far beyond what you can see he sees far beyond your expectations I could never imagine or plan things when they happen in my life. If, I, if you asked me 10 years ago, the things would have gone this way, I'd be like, no, 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 no. It would go this way and this way and this way. And I, it kind of makes me excited for the future because I'm like, I don't know how it's going to be. I, I know that he's going to give me life. I know he's going to um, keep his promises, but I don't know how it's going to look. And I'm excited what this picture is going to look. You know, I've spent so much time looking at this tiny image, asking God to make this tiny image happen, that I miss things around me. I miss God working so amazingly in my life. And lately, just lately, I'm learning to step back a little bit and look and admire the rest of the picture. And I'm like, flip, it's an amazing picture. And it's also a little bit relaxing for me not to be just so focused on this. If you are a little bit like me that you like to organize, you know how not relaxing it is when things don't go your plan. But actually letting God be in control, it's just like, okay, I don't have to spend 23 hours a day worrying about it. And I know he will give me life. I know he will restore everything in my life. I know he will keep his promises. I just will not put limitations of God of how and when it will happen. Because that way, I'm missing out on everything else. So there are a few things going on in my life right now that I'm like, I know it will happen. I know it will happen. How God? Yeah, I know he will keep his promises. Do I know when? Do I know exactly how it's going to look? No. Do I want it to go my way? Kind of still, yes. But looking back on my life, I know that when I've let God do it, he's done it way more amazing than I could have ever made it myself. So... My prayers at the moment are very much like, God, I know that you're going to give me this. I know you're going to give me this. I know you're going to give me this. How it will happen, I don't know. When it will happen, I don't know. But I am glad that you know, and you never do things just to like tease me. You, all you have for me is amazing. All you have for me is 
to bless me. So why should I be worried about what you're going to give to me? So with that in mind, let's pray. Shall we stand? Lord, I just want to thank you so much for everything that you give to us, for every single picture that you have for every single one of us that is so beautiful and so far beyond our expectation. It exceeds every imagination that we have. Because, God, you are absolutely big. You're huge. You are incredible. And I could never in my entire life imagine and picture who you are and how you are. And Lord, I don't want to, to, to try to picture you. I want you to just amaze me. I want to be in awe and wonder of you. I want to give you my tiny picture so you can give me this amazing panoramic picture, Lord. Thank you that you, you want to give me that. Lord, thank you that you keep your promises. Your promises never fail. Your love for me never fails. Thank you, Lord, that even in those times when I thought you were not there, if I just turned my head to see, you were right there, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that you are so amazing. Thank you, Lord, that you give me all that I need. Thank you, Jesus. Amen.